Access Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be safe. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Mack. On today's show, congressional Democrats prepare to unveil the next stimulus and how Americans are the next hurdle to reopening America. But first, dark clouds for weather forecasting. So here's something I didn't know and I think most seasoned travelers don't know. A lot of the commercial airlines we fly on are carrying sensors to collect data on the air around them, not for the pilots, but for meteorologists, both those folks who are forecasting three and five days out, but also those looking at major weather events like hurricanes. As the Washington Post's deputy weather editor, Andrew Friedman, recently explained it, quote, commercial flights are the equivalent of thousands of extra weather balloons, providing crucial data on air pressure, temperature, wind speed and direction, and in some cases, humidity, where the information is scarce. Why it matters right now, though, is that commercial flights are down more than 50% due to the coronavirus pandemic. That's flights, not people on flights, with one trade group reporting that more than 6,000 planes are currently offline. Less planes equals less data, and that may be contributing to less accurate forecasts. For example, there were predictions of major rainfall in southern Florida last weekend, but in the end, Miami just saw a quarter of an inch. The questions now are if the lost data can be replaced, what other data collection tools the pandemic has cost us, and how all of this could impact the coming hurricane season. We will dig deeper into all of that in 15 seconds with The Washington Post's Andrew Friedman. But first, this. BridgeBank knows the ins and outs of business ups and downs and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be safe, venture wisely. We're joined now by Andrew Friedman, Deputy Weather Editor at The Washington Post. So Andrew, let's start here. These sensors that are sitting often on commercial airliners, how important are they to overall meteorology? How big is the tool compared to all the other tools that meteorologists have? So it's not the most important one. The most important one is really the satellite data. So that's about 85% of the data that goes into computer models is derived from satellites. But this is probably the second most important source. So it's not insignificant. Past experiments where they deprived computer models, including the European model, which is widely regarded as the top model in the world, when they deprive that model, forecast accuracy in certain parts of the atmosphere degraded by about 10%, which is not exactly something you'd like to see, especially with hurricane season approaching in a couple of weeks and tornado season already upon us. Have meteorologists or forecasters been able to figure out some sort of replacement for this or even some sort of maybe funding mechanism to get planes in the air or maybe put sensors on other sorts of planes, cargo planes, et cetera, that with the commercial flights not going? Yeah, so we're actually a little bit lucky in the United States because the Weather Service decided to, I'm not sure exactly when this happened. It was obviously not with the foresight of a pandemic, but FedEx and UPS are partners in the observing program for the weather service. So what is happening right now is you're seeing overnight data come in from all the cargo flights, which have not reduced, if anything, I think they've picked up in frequency. So we're getting that data. We're also getting data from about a quarter of commercial flights. Just so happens that a lot of the sensors that the weather service is using 
are on Southwest Airlines 737s. Why are so many of them on Southwest as opposed to United or Delta or Spirit? I don't actually know the answer to that. I think part of it is that it was simpler to put it on one type of aircraft and deal with one airline's data downlinks rather than going to all of them. But, you know, Southwest has a very dense domestic route structure and they've been maintaining a little bit higher level of flights compared to United and their flight cuts and American and their flight cuts recently. Andrew, you mentioned hurricane season approaching. If we have less information, if forecasts are becoming mildly less accurate, as you suggested, because of this, or at least in part because of this, what does that mean from a hurricane season perspective? Obviously, I assume we'll still know when a hurricane is coming or not coming. Is it kind of the data within that, wind speeds, et cetera? What might we not know vis-a-vis hurricane season? Any data loss with regard to hurricanes is potentially extremely problematic. There's one thing that the Weather Service does whenever there's a big storm threatening land. They do this in winter storms, but especially for hurricanes, is Weather Service offices around the country will start sending up additional weather balloons. So rather than launching weather balloons twice a day, they'll be launching them at about double that frequency. You can think of airplanes as like the ultimate weather balloon because they're always in a normal situation. They're always up in the air. They're at altitudes that you really want to find out information about. And when they descend or go up in altitude, you're getting the data that's sort of a profile of the atmosphere, sort of as if it were just a fast-moving weather balloon. So that type of data being lost in certain regions, let's say you have a hurricane off the coast of Florida and it's moving up towards the Carolinas. If you don't have the air traffic in the region of the Carolinas and you don't know what the winds are at upper levels there, you might not know exactly where it's going. The other piece, you know, in addition to the kind of storms and day-to-day forecasting, something else that weather data is used a lot for is in judging the impact of climate change and kind of long-term modeling, et cetera. Is that at risk to a certain extent? Is our ability to model what's coming next from a climate change perspective impaired by these kind of coronavirus pandemic lack of flights? In terms of the lack of flights, it doesn't play too much of a role in long-term projections for climate, but there is a bigger problem there that the The World Meteorological Organization, which is a UN agency, pointed to in their statement the 7th of May, which was they pointed out the lack of airplane observations being a problem. But they also pointed to an increasing number of ground stations blinking out. And that's especially the case in developing countries where you have observing stations that require daily tending to. So in the U.S. and in Europe, most of our observing stations just run automatically. In developing countries, particularly in Africa, they might rely on somebody going out there and uh, checking a rain gauge or checking something else a little bit more than some of the stations that we have at airports in the U.S. And those are not functioning as much. And for a data sparse region of the world already, that's problematic. And if you don't know the observations, you know, you might not know the long-term trends. So it could potentially make an impact on that. But otherwise, the aviation observations are really a main concern for a three to five day time frame. So if you start at 12 hours from now and go three to five days, that's where the impacts are being seen and where forecasters on Twitter and elsewhere are seeing missed calls by the European model or the GFS and wondering, hey, could this be due to the aviation the loss of flights? And the answer is, we don't actually 
have a way to tell that. Andrew, final question for you. I live just outside of Boston. Yesterday, I went outside and got stuck in a hailstorm. Is that going to happen to me again today when I go out? Probably not today, no. Andrew Friedman of The Washington Post, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My final two, right after this. BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors, those committed to making the world a better place. BridgeBank has been dedicated to providing financial solutions to sponsor-backed emerging technology and growth companies for nearly two decades through its national network of banking teams and offices. BridgeBank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be safe, venture wisely. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Nancy Pelosi, who today is expected to unveil a massive new stimulus package. This is the House Democrats' version of the so-called Phase 4 plan, with the AP reporting it will include new money for state and local governments, extended unemployment benefits, new direct checks to individuals, and more funding for virus testing. We don't know the price tag yet, but do know that the House could vote on it as early as this Friday. Why it matters, though, is not because this particular bill will become law. It won't. The Republican-led Senate has already suggested it's a non-starter. But it does at least formally begin the Phase 4 conversations, as much of the existing CARES Act funding, passed at the end of March, was only designed to last through an end date that is fast approaching. And finally today, some worrisome results from the latest Axios-Ipsos Coronavirus Index, which finds that only half of Americans would be willing to participate in voluntary coronavirus contact tracing programs, which would operate via their cell phones. The residence, of course, is understandable, given privacy concerns over sensitive medical data, let alone just the idea of people in Washington, D.C. and Silicon Valley having our information. But this reticence could also create major troubles as the country attempts to reopen. Testing on its own is obviously vital, but then there's this second step of contact tracing, whereby public health officials can help isolate individuals who come into contact with infected patients. That's the necessary next step. The question now is if President Trump and tech leaders can jointly convince Americans that the civil liberties trade-offs are worthwhile. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great National Limerick Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.